0: On FM, on DAB and up to date on social media, we are Radio Newark. Radio Newark. For you. Diana Ross there, of course, and I'm still waiting. You're listening to The Girls Around Town here on Radio Newark. It's sunny Sunday morning I mean June Rowlands in the chair right now Sue's on the other side of the desk in the studio and also on the other side of the desk is uh, this week's guest we are going to be talking for the rest of the show throughout the um, next 40 minutes or so to our guest Debbie Cousins so we're going to start off with um a, a bit of a general chat um Sue and I know Debbie really well, but um, some of you out there probably don't. So we're going to find out a little bit about her. Debbie, first of all, good morning and thank you for coming to join us. Good morning. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Now, um, what we'd like to do is um, just find out a bit about your own background, both your personal and professional background. For a start, that is not a Newark accent that we can
1: hear coming through, is it? Or we will hear coming through when you talk to us. So tell us, tell us what it is. Um, I grew up in South Africa. Was born in Johannesburg and lived there until I was 21 when I moved to the UK. And with a couple of years here and there, I've lived here ever since.
0: Um, so
1: so you are a, a, a well embedded um, UK resident these mm. days, yes. I came in 1974, so and, I've been here a long and time. And to Newark itself, you came when? Um, 2010, so a few years here as well. Yes.
0: Um, right, so um, tell us about. Um, your your your
1: general background, your your professional background, um, what well, you do, what what you enjoy, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I studied art originally and did a degree in applied arts, and then went on to do an MA in fine art practice and theory. This was still back in South Africa. No, this oh, was this in the, the UK. In mm-hmm. I did other things before that. Sure, but I went to university when I was in my forties, so I was a late starter in terms of that level of academia I really enjoyed art and when I would finished the degree I started teaching and that was really how I got into what I'm doing now because I was interested in life coaching saw some interesting work by Tony Robbins who is an American coach who's coached top sports stars and presidents and so on and Started using some of his strategies with my art students, and it was so effective in motivating them that I then went on and did both a teaching qualification and a qualification in coaching. So, so personal performance coaching.
0: So, so you you don't um, you're a lecturer
1: now, but you don't. You, it's not art that you're teaching these days. No? no, no, no. I did. I did teach art for a while. I haven't taught art since about 2009 when I started working at Middlesex University on a course that, although it wasn't at the time related to leadership, it did support students to develop qualities that made them more effective and were able to learn more and so on. So. And, and, and whereabouts do you lecture? Which um, institution? Uh, Middlesex University, the Hendon campus. Also, oh, n- not round the corner? Then. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I go up one day a week.
0: Right. And uh,
1: <laughs> I've carried on going since I moved to Newark because I really enjoy teaching on this particular course. And, in fact, for the last two years, I've been running it on my own with a smaller number of students and it's now in- encompasses leadership. So so you go off down south once a week to do that. Yes. And the rest of the week? Well, I do a lot of work on at home um, towards the course and... Otherwise, generally, um, just enjoy myself, I suppose. (laughs) 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 And what would you say uh, are the things that you you, um, enjoy yourself doing then? Well, I like reading, Mm -hmm. and I'm mainly fantasy and non-fiction are the two sort of areas that I most enjoy and non-fiction a lot of it is um related to what i do at university so Um. i do a lot of reading and in fact that will feed into the book i'm writing the book you're writing which of course is why you're
0: here today to tell us a little bit about it what made you decide to write it um how you're going about it and perhaps more importantly what um it actually is about (laughs) debbie cousins i guess this morning while we were listening to the record or while you were listening to the record we were having another one of our random com- conversations uh-huh. which went from mary poppins to um funeral dirty music. dancing to funeral music um but we're back on track now um so debbie you're about to you are in the process of writing a book your first book yes your first book first book. so what made you decide that you wanted to um I was going to say move away from lecturing, but of course it's not. It's in in addition to, isn't it? So what made
1: you decide to add this extra string to your bow? Well, all the years that I've taught on this particular course at Middlesex, I've seen how much difference what we do actually makes to the students, the types of techniques that they learn and the background to some of the way they perform in general how their attitude affects their performance their confidence and so on and i thought how good it would be if anyone who was interested could actually use the techniques themselves to improve their own lives so, so it's actually reaching a wider audience so yes to speak. reaching yep, a wider yep, audience yep. and one of the things that has become really apparent to me is that students come into university quite often I only had the experience of my art students in the past, which is quite a different um, subject, and the students that are actually on this course, which is actually an education degree, they often go on to teach afterwards, or do early years work and so on. And so they will be going out and influencing young people, and that made me think how good it would be if all children were taught some of these skills from the outset so that when they arrive at university they don't then need to start learning them they already would have them in place because it makes them much more effective
0: and also I, I think um, y- you make a point or you certainly made a point in some of the information you sent to me that um, they're not coming in having
1: learn having things that they need to unlearn um, that that the that, 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 yes they're that, coming in with with demeanors and attitudes that are actually undermining their progress quite often so although there's nothing wrong with who they are as people they can learn skills that actually make them much more effective and enable them to go out and be much more confident I had one student who really lacked confidence in herself and started off the course she actually didn't come into university every week and after emailing her she actually said that she couldn't be bothered to get out of bed but she would make more of an effort (laughs) and by the end of the year she was actually going on to do leadership herself in the future she's going on to teach first but she wants to do an MA in leadership skills later on so it completely transformed her doing this work that we did and made her think about her life completely differently there's always a few students who take on board what we do and really blossom and I've never had a student in all the years I've worked at university that hasn't, hasn't been positively impacted in some ways. Some people do resist the ideas that we work with. And um, I had one mature student who was, he was 28, and he said, oh, I'm 28, um, I'm completely fixed, I know what I want. And when he actually did his final paper, it was quite clear that although he'd resisted it, some of the ideas had gradually been taken on board and he was more open than he had been at the beginning. So so when, when was it you made the decision to write the book? How, how, how long have you been...? Well, I've been thinking about it for a few years and it's been ticking away in the background and I've done quite a lot of research but hadn't ever got to the point where I'd taken that any further. So I would say probably four or five years I've been thinking about it and doing little bits but not actually getting down to... The real nitty-gritty. <laughs> yes, writing bits and writing introductions and so on but not actually taking it to a point where I was working on a, a manuscript. But you, you're at that point now? Yes. You, you have you have a manuscript? Started I have, I, at least? Well not quite. Um, I'm working with a coach and I'll tell you a little bit about her should i tell you now we'll
0: we'll have another piece of music and then we will talk about um your um because you're you're a coach yourself but you're on the other end of yes you're on the receiving end at the moment aren't you (laughs) talking to debbie cousins here in the studio um and girls around town this sunday morning we're talking about debbie's book um we've already talked about what um prompted debbie to 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 start writing the book but um and also mentioned the fact that she is herself she is a coach a personal development coach um, she does um, uh, coaching for individuals um, in addition to her lecturing work and, and obviously now her writing work but she is on the other end of the coaching um, system at the moment Debbie you are being coached yourself are you not
1: I am Tell several us about years it. ago I went to a seminar in London and one of the guest speakers was a woman called Judy May Murphy who was absolutely awe-inspiring. She came on, spoke for probably an hour with no notes, no PowerPoint, nothing, and just mesmerised the audience. And one of the things that she said she did was to coach authors to write to get published by mainstream publishers. She won't work with anybody who wants to self-publish and so on. Mm -hmm. She works with people who... Or serious about um, proper publishing. Well, that probably isn't the right word, yes. but <laughs> yes. publishing with mainstream <laughs> publishers. And I thought at the time if ever I wanted to write a book, she'd be a good person to work with. And about two months ago, on the off chance, I emailed her, told her I was interested in writing a book, and she responded immediately, phoned me and asked why I wanted to write it. And being satisfied with my reasons for wanting to write it, which are that I have all this knowledge and don't want to get to the end of my life and have not done anything with it. And she felt that was a good reason for wanting to write it, It felt that what I wanted to write was relevant, and so she agreed to work with me. And she does do one-to-one coaching, which was an option, but she suggested that I joined a book circle that she is running at the moment. She hasn't run one for four years, and in the week prior to me asking her, she'd had three other people ask her to to coach them. So she decided that it was an auspicious time to do it. And so it's a very structured program. We have to, um, she gives online, sometimes interactive sessions, and each day we have to do something towards the book. And each, so she started off, we looked at the industry and how it functions then we looked at publishers who publish the type of books that we want to write and the general format of because it's a personal development book I had to go out and look at personal development books of which I have a huge number anyway because of what I do for university particularly and the format should conform more or less to the format that other books of the same genre, conform to. And although there are some books that don't fill that particular format, generally they're people who are already well-known, who are then deviating from the general form. So that's, at the moment, we're going through the process. We had to devise a title, which I haven't 100% decided on yet, and until that happens, I can't actually write a word in terms of actual book writing, but we've sorted out chapters and exactly what um, I want to go into the book, how many words in each chapter and so on, and it's all very, very structured. So how many words are you going to have in each chapter? About 5,000.
0: Mm, that's that's a, a comfortable amount, Yes, yeah, yes.
1: About yeah, 5,000 yeah. per chapter, more or less. And I'm going to have strategies. Most personal development books now have some kind of strategy or framework for people to actually then use the information to move themselves forward and I'm going to slightly deviate from that Insofar as I'm going to put the strategies up front and then if people want to know more information about what it is they're actually doing to achieve a certain thing they can then go and read afterwards because not everyone wants to re- read reams of information okay. about mm background information about some people just want to get on and do jump in there and and, so it will be there but it will be um a slightly different format and um she feels that that's a good idea so that's what i'm working on at the moment so i'm devising strategies at the moment right
0: and um some of the some of the some of those strategies some of the chapters some of the
1: topics give us give us a flavor of some of them that are going to be in the book well the first thing that I'm going to talk about really is about our brains because our brains are absolutely phenomenal as I suppose everybody probably knows they are designed to form habits out of more or less everything we do which makes very very efficient use of brain space and for most of the 20th century it was believed that once we reached adulthood our brains were absolutely fixed and couldn't change Slowly but surely, they're finding more and more out about the brain. There's a lot of research about the brain, and plasticity is one of the things that they've discovered. And so learning new things and developing new parts of the brain and changing your brain is something that is now known to be a distinct possibility. So when we say, I am just a sort of person, what it means really is this is the sort of person I've learned to be throughout my life. And although genetics do play some part, a lot of who we are actually comes from what we've learned from our parents, from our teachers, from life experiences and so on, and we set ourselves up, um, unknowingly really, to become the person we are as adults. And some of the things that we do will be very effective and some won't be so effective. And we don't really think about it a great deal because most of it is habitual. So part of what I'm doing in the book is going to be looking at how we can actually identify habits that aren't effective and set up new ones. And as it's aimed at parents and teachers looking at devising strategies for teaching children at a very young age, it will be looking at how these habits can be set up from the outset rather than having to unlearn old habits that aren't effective.
0: And, and, and when you say from a very young age, I mean, how, how young
1: well, are we talking? As parents, it would be right from the outset. Mm. Mm. One of the interesting things, though, is is that sometimes parents or teachers, adults, dealing with children will obviously have to change their own outlook and habits. And this is something I've discovered from coaching people. I did coach a friend of mine for about a year, specifically working with her children and it was fantastic working with her because she was a very interactive client and she came up with lots of ideas and so on as well so it was great fun working with her what came out of it very early on was that it wasn't her children that had to change really but it was she had to change the way she dealt with her children and it's been very effective So.
0: Now, a a couple of the other um, topics or chapters that you mentioned um, in the information you
1: sent to me were the luck factor and the fear factor. Yes. Well, I'll start with the fear factor. Right. Because our brain, um, the amygdala, it's called, is a very, very ancient part of our brain and it's there to react to danger. And in order to survive in life, we have to notice things that are going to hurt us. We're talking about the fight and flight. Yes, fight and flight Mm, 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 mm. syndrome. Or flight. And when we first developed this, a lot of the dangers in our life were much more real than the dangers that we perceive now, because a lot of our current dangers are things to do with social interactions and so on. And one of the really, I I saw a program on television a few years ago about fear. And people are born with different levels of fear. They're this part of their brain is more active in some people than other people and even twins sometimes have different levels of fear and what they f- have found with research is that children who are very fearful if their parents protect them too much they then grow up as fearful adults whereas if they encourage to develop and to go out and the frontal cortex, their prefrontal cortex actually grows to compensate for the overactive fear part of the brain, the part that deals with fear and they grow up and can function without and as most people would without Mm -hmm. having extreme levels of fear. So dealing with fear is a very important part of how we function in the world and so on. The other um, thing you mentioned was luck luck. Mm -hmm. and through all the reading that I do there seems to be this sort of idea that some people are able to do things in life that work out for them. And there's certain qualities and things that people have that help this. And there's a, a man called Dr Richard, Richard Wiseman who has written a book called The Luck Factor, which is quite fascinating really. He's done research with thousands and thousands and thousands of people who consider themselves lucky and unlucky and they've looked at done numerous experiments he's at the University of Hertfordshire now running this research program he has found that people who are lucky have certain things that they do and certain qualities certain ways of being that make them much more likely to get what they want in life And a lot of it has got to do with having a very positive attitude. If something happens to them, even if it's a very negative thing, they will look at the most positive aspects of that. Whereas people who consider themselves unlucky will think, oh, it's happened to me again. And there are quite a number of things. One of the things, one of the factors which I find the most interesting is that people who consider themselves lucky have very strong social networks. They like people, they're very outgoing. They love going out and talking to new people and so on and consequently there are far more opportunities open (laughs) to them. So enabling yourself to not only make opportunities for yourself by being more social and going out and actually looking for things, also taking opportunities that come your way, being flexible enough if something comes along and in fact the reason why I'm here now it is, Be- is because you, you couldn't wait to come and join us on Radio <laughs> New Yes, it's <that's> quite true. <laughs> but seriously, my, though. <laughs> I sent my CV to Middlesex University. That at the time, the art and education department were under the same umbrella. And one of the education lecturers saw my CV. And because I'd been using these coaching strategies, somebody had mentioned how good I was at motivating students. And Beth thought I was a motivational speaker and she phoned me and she said, I'm desperate for somebody to do these seminars. Would you be interested? And I thought, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, will you come and see me? So I thought, well, why not? You know, I'm quite interested in coaching and that sort of thing. And it sounds as if it might be vaguely similar. So I went along and we had a very strange meeting and I still didn't really know what she wanted, but decided I would do it. And so I took an opportunity that happened by chance which completely changed the direction of my life so i know that this sort of thing works if you're prepared to do it fantastic let's
0: have another piece of music and then we will um well we've got all 20 minutes left of the show so time is 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 running out um, quickly but we'll have a, a few more minutes well uh, several more minutes to talk to debbie get some um further information and also find out um when this book will be available um and um how you can get in touch with her and find out uh, more about it so what have we got coming up um i think well we're going to take a i'm going to make a choice um in a split second or two between either share or aha or i might ask debbie and um the other person soon
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's, that's the one
0: <laughs> You're listening to the Girls Around Town here on Radio Newark this Sunday morning. We are almost out of time, got about 15 minutes left on the show. We're talking to Debbie Cousins about her book. Um, So, Debbie, uh, we've talked about some some of the content of the book. Obviously, it's a huge subject and um, time does not allow us, unfortunately, to go into um, every chapter in detail. But... um, the next step, right? So, so you, you you're going through your coaching um, uh, process, this coaching process. You have um, a potential goal in terms of getting the manuscript ready.
1: Um, how 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 far off are we talking? Um, well, the process originally, Judy May said it would take probably about three to four months, and by the end of that, she wants us to have our first manuscript ready. So. Between now and probably in another two to three months, the aim is to have the first draft of the first manuscript ready. Okay. And that's the point where you then start to look for potential publishers. So um,
0: you, you said uh, chapters approximately 5,000 words long. How many chapters are
1: we talking 12. about? So 60,000 60, words to get yes, through. including in, in, uh, introduction sure. and. Mm. Uh, ending that summing up
0: yeah sure so um uh not a minor task anyway is it
1: (laughs) no it isn't i think the biggest thing is making sure that all the research is well documented and so on yeah so So so, writing in a relaxed way with enough support Mm. Uh, and are you confident of um I do feel
0: conforming. Performing to, uh, to your, your mentor's yes. requirements I think <laughs> in terms of
1: timing. The interesting thing is the actual writing, because most of my writing in the past has been academic writing, although I do write a lot for my students, and it needs to be put over in a way that makes it interesting mm. for them. Mm. So I'm going to use that as the basis for how I write the so, 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 the book. so
0: not too, not not too scholastic, perhaps. Yes. Slightly more relaxed. Yes. And, and yes. Um, not so. Uh, not not exactly an easy read, but an easier read, perhaps. yeah <laughs> yes. Okay. Um. Right. Um. Let's see. What else do we we need to? Uh, we need. Well, as you say, your next thing is to to find a publisher. So, how do you go about that?
1: We haven't actually gone through that process. Um. She's going to talk to us about agents as well as. Approaching publishers directly, and she's got us to start researching and following publishers who publish the sort of work that sure. we publish. Yeah. And there are two different options: you can go for a small publisher who is fairly new and developing, or one of the major um, publishers who publish. A lot of personal development type books. But you'll still be getting guidance through the coaching system as as the best
0: way to do it. (laughs) Bruno Mars there, another one that just cuts off very, very quickly. Okay, we have less than five minutes before the show comes to a close and we hand over to Craig for Sunday, um, his Sunday lunch programme. Um, one thing that Debbie wanted to mention, um, going back to the luck business and something to do with smiling.
1: Just quickly, Debbie. Yes, one of the things that they discovered was that people who believe that they're lucky smile twice as much as people who believe they're unlucky and that's something that anybody can take away and just smile more just look at people and and
0: smile smile yeah, makes yeah. them wonder and, what you're
1: up to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and most people's face light up if you smile at them yes. i've discovered occasionally you get a completely blank stare don't and chat it's on the underground very well depends <laughs> <laughs> don't chat so much
0: <laughs> so that's one thing to take away um from this morning's show that um if you want to be luckier you need to smile more so we we expect to see um, lots of Wide smiles out there. Yeah, um, excellent yes. radio. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> you can't see, we are all smiling here in yes, the studio. Sue, so Debbie, are. and I are smiling. I'm being very careful about smiling because I have a missing tooth, two. and oh. I don't want to um, show that to horses. the world more often, more more than I need to. Mm. Right before we um hand over to Craig, Debbie, very very quickly, we need to let people know how to get in touch with you. So, um,
1: from from a coaching point of view, yourself as a coach, you have a website. Tell us the address. Uh, www.emotifit.com and that's i m o t i f i t i've got
0: it written down here e m o t i f for freddy it emotifit.com yes. if you want to find out <laughs> about debbie's coaching services um and you are going to have um those um social media platforms very very soon for um dedicated to the book yes is is that right now they're they're in the pipeline yes
1: um
0: and we will put them up on our own website girlsaroundtownonline.com and our own facebook page for you um when we know that they're available but you will be able to follow debbie on um twitter and on facebook to find out how the book's progressing find out a bit more about it and um most importantly find out when it's available yeah. um so debbie thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning um thank we, you for inviting me i really enjoyed it <laughs> we know it was your first time on radio you said it was um uh I can't remember, did you say it was more scary than standing up in front of a, in front of a lecture hall or less, less scary? Less well, scary. Less,
1: I felt less nervous than I did the first time I gave a lecture. Fantastic. So. We're, we're pleased to hear that. Um, we will, of course, be
0: podcasting um, the interview with Debbie. That will be available online um, very, very soon. And we'll make sure, again, that uh, a link to that is publicised on our social media. So, we have um, now a minute to go um, before certainly in my case I go off and buy some ice cream mm. um, I'm, I'm heading off to the supermarket to get some ice cream next week what have we got for you next week um, it's Tracy and a truck pull it is indeed isn't it those of you that used to um, listen to um, our beloved Babby Duck on the breakfast show um, you'll be interested to hear Tracy talking about the fact that she's going to be pulling a truck for charity she's doing it next Sunday and we're going to be talking to her head of the event we've also got a Another um, phone interview um, on the show. We're going to be talking to Fanny Bryce back on the, back on books again next um, Sunday when we talk to Fanny Bryce. So Tina will be back with us too. Sue, you're in the studio with us. Yes, uh-huh. yep. yeah. So it will be a full house next week, all three of us. Um, but no physical guests as such. Um, our, both of our guests will be talking to us on the phone, and then after the show. Um, I certainly will be popping down to watch Tracy pull her truck. So um, enjoy the rest of your day and don't forget to join us this time next week.